Hello, and welcome to the Slingshot Group podcast, where we tackle the leadership topics everyone is thinking about, but no one is talking about. And now, let's join our hosts. Welcome, everybody, to the Slingshot Group podcast. I am Vance Martin. I am joined by two of my best friends in the whole world. I say that with all honesty. David Miller, Keith Robinson, glad to have you guys back. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm in the middle of actually knitting you a best friend sweater. And so yeah, well, just, just it's, be on the lookout for that in the mail, buddy. It's going gonna, it's gonna to match the socks that I knit you last week. <laughs> yes, so. I think you darn socks. Do you darn totally. socks? Is that a thing? Them darn socks. Yeah, good. Maybe. No, I didn't say darn socks. I said, what did I say? I said knit. Yeah, I was correct. Yeah, there. Okay. Hey, do you guys remember? <laughs> off to a great start. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, okay. We, we, we're talking about today uh, being the bad guy in church. So have you guys been the bad guy before? Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I've been the bad guy in, in, in multiple settings uh, in church. I, I, actually, I actually can recall both sides of, of this story. Um, I, I remember being a pastor at a church and having a, an intern, uh, I was changing a program within the church. And so I was, we were going to come from a completely different angle. And, uh, and this intern just hated the idea. And apparently there was this like quorum interns. of interns, you know, I, we had a bunch of them. There's this quorum of interns and young adults that, that hated the direction that I was taking things and was just like, this is the dumbest. I don't even know if David loves Jesus. You know, that was kind of the, the, the undercurrent of what was happening. And, you and, should have asked them first because they know better. Interns yeah, oh, yeah, always know better. It was obvious that they knew better. And, and, and this one of them was basically nominated as the spokesperson of the interns and, and came into my office, set a time with me to let me know exactly what he and those people, his friends, didn't like about the way that I was leading. And I, I remember um, sitting there and just hearing him out and and in my mind, I'm like, you don't know the big picture, man. Like, you don't know all of the things that it took to get to this point. You don't know that our budget was just cut. You don't know that, uh, that, that my supervisor uh, almost didn't give me much of a choice. So this is kind of the best version that I could come out with after some of those meetings and the, where we're going as a church. You don't know all of what I was dealing with. And, and, and basically what I said to him, and I was... I was maybe not the most gracious in this moment, but I remember just hearing him out um, and not feeling free to give him all the details. Mm. But what I did do is I said, I don't think you or that crew of people that you're talking to know the whole story. And one day you will. But here's the deal. I, I was in his shoes. I had a lot of, I had, it hurt when he came to me with that, but I was in his shoes because I, I was an intern Mm-hmm. who was interning with the ministry in Virginia and they changed the way we did worship and they changed the way we did baptisms and a few other things that were happening um, in that ministry. And I thought it was, that those are terrible ideas. I thought for sure that that leader had no idea what they were doing. Yeah. And like my intern, I went and told them so. And, yeah. and I, I ended up calling them a year later and saying, I had no idea. I had no that's, idea. That's so, humbling. Makes me think of oh, uh, absolutely. I I don't know where this principle came from. I heard it from somebody somewhere, uh, but I've used it multiple times. 
And uh, I wish if you came up with this or if it's in a book somewhere, let me know because I'll give you credit. But it's this principle of work versus weight. Hmm. And uh, <clears throat> really, it works like this. So in, in an organization, the people at the bottom of the organization, there's a lot of work activity. And we think of, okay, let's look at a church. Um, not that this is the bottom, but this is the best for like the word picture here. Think about the person who's over facilities. You know, they're their function is all about task, you know, making sure things are clean, vacuuming, you know, there's, there, everything they're doing is task. It fits into the bigger picture, but it's very task oriented. And then it's easy to look at a lot of times a lead pastor. I remember I used to do this a lot with some of the pastors I worked for, you know, I'd be there right at nine o'clock. I'd be working hard and I'd be like, where's the lead pastor? He's not here. He's not in the office. Right. He's not, he's not putting, I'm pulling my weight. Why is he not pulling his weight? And the thing that I learned is the higher up you go in an organization, there's a greater weight that comes with it. Yes. And so while there may be great activity work, there is an overwhelming amount of work that has to happen to equal the amount of weight of responsibility and authority. I think about how many times we have to make decisions as leaders with information that not everyone else is privy to. Mm -hmm. And yep. um, we know the real story. We know the full story as leaders. But there are moments in ministry where it wouldn't do anyone any good to know the full story. And, yeah. and so we're, we're protecting individuals. Um, sometimes that can be seen though as we're, we're trying to protect ourselves. Hmm. But in reality, as, as leaders, we know that there are just certain things we can't talk about. There's employment issues that happen. I don't know about you guys, but um, I've had to let people go from my staff um, yep. when I was leading an organization. Oh, yeah. And, and you can't always talk about those things, and it's sensitive. And, um, and, you know, leadership, I remember the first pastor I worked for, he told me, you know, a good leader, Keith, always knows how many chips he has in his pocket at any given time. And, totally. um, and, and for me, you know, that that's about trust and it's about building trust with the people that you lead and the deeper trust that you build. And I think the longer that you, you make right decisions over time, even when those decisions aren't under, understood, when you see them play out, um, yeah. you come to realize, okay, that the person who is leading has been given a trust mm -hmm. and, one of the things I hear Stan Endicott, I've heard him say, our, one of our founders say, is that right decisions lead to right outcomes. Hmm. And so, you know, if you can divorce yourself from the emotion of what's going to happen because of that decision yeah. um, and just say, you know what, this is the right decision. And I know if I make it, then emotion aside, uh, fallout aside, yeah, there will be a right outcome from this. This is the beginning of one of our better podcasts. We've had some good ones, but this is one of the best. But I think we're going to finish it even better because totally. right now we are about to hear from one of the guys that I think has one of the not maybe not most well-known voices, but I think one of the strongest, clearest mm -hmm. leadership voices within the church. If you don't know who he is, you need to start paying attention. Uh, David, you sat down with Dan Ryland, who is the executive pastor at 12 Stone Church uh, just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. This guy mm -hmm. is a goldmine of, of leadership, knowledge, and you talked about this topic uh, with him making these tough decisions and being the bad guy uh, when, when no one else will. And so this is going to be 
life-changing, but this, you don't want to miss this. Let's dive into the interview with Dan. I'm talking today with Dan Ryland about a topic that every leader has experienced. Uh, I'm talking about uh, when you're the bad guy, but you did the right thing. So Dan, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thanks, David. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. And, and this this topic is a really cool topic. It's uh, one that's not talked about a lot, but when it is, it's uh, it's a big deal. Absolutely. Well, I you know, we... We all know that sometimes, Dan, the right decision is the, the toughest, or maybe we can say even the unpopular decision, uh, maybe one that, that the team doesn't agree with. Dan, I, I would love if you take a minute where it was clear that you were going to make the right call, uh, but you knew that the team was, was not on board. Can you give us a little bit of that? Actually, a couple things. One, one that might be kind of help us stir up the pot a little bit, a story a long time ago um, that was very shaping for me. Um, when I was in the midst of, of a decision that probably wouldn't have been very popular, but but this first story is is the opposite almost of what we're talking about because I was getting yeah. in hot water because I wasn't taking action and making a decision that should have been made, known by a few oh, insiders. Um, I was young and I thought I I meant part of my wire I was young and I thought I can get him through I can I can help this guy the coach in me the pastor in me I'm a developmental to the core uh, I thought I he, he can do it we can make it we can make it <laughs> and and yeah and it was I let it go on too long and I wasn't making the hard decision and thinking he, I could mm. get him through so I met with a, a a mentor of mine brilliant leader Fred Smith we, he and I went to breakfast and I told him what was going on and and he said something, you know, every, every once in a while somebody says something to you and it just goes right to the core. It just goes right inside. Mm -hmm. and, and he sat back and I remember he put his fork down and looked at me and said, Dan, if you keep someone on your staff that you know that you know should not be on your staff, you are guilty of embezzling God's money. Wow. And I just, it just kind of, to the core, took my breath away almost and we talked about it and what that meant that I was responsible for the stewardship of those dollars. And the principle was, uh, I always like to back something into a principle. The principle was don't, don't confuse benevolence with competence. Wow. And, and never, in other, in other words, never, we probably have heard this phrase from other places, other times, but for me back then it was like, Oh my gosh, I've never heard this in my life. It was something more like, you know, don't never put, uh, don't put compassion on payroll. Wow, and so, uh, you know, if if the Holy Spirit speaks to you to be compassionate toward an individual that you've got to make a tough call, and then then go for it and do everything yeah. possible, write a gigantic check, do whatever you feel God wants you to do, but the answer isn't leave them, you know, on the staff. And uh, I think what came out of that for me, and we can go back to your question because I, I didn't actually answer your question yet, but what was <laughs> was uh, that I've learned over the years now. And, and is in those situ those pressure situations, we're often looking for a good choice, and mm. there isn't one. That's good. And so we have to have the discipline and maturity and prayer to pick one of the hard choices. But mm -hmm. you're right. You know, 
we want to pick a good choice. We want to go to an ice cream store and pick a flavor we like. And there right. isn't one. Hmm. And, and that's a problem. And that's why a lot of times, like I was then and some are now, we just don't want to make the, the decision. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and let me actually come back to that, that other question. Cause I, you know, you kind of are stumbling into something that I wanted to talk about as well in this. It's, you know, so many of us that are in ministry, we're kind of, uh, and if you, if you could see me now, everyone, I mean, I'm it's air quotes, but I'm, we're, we're people, people, right, right. Right. You know, and those difficult decisions just weigh on us. And, in, and in so many ways, you know, I, I remember talking to people in some of the consulting that I've done and just said, I'm glad that it weighs on you. I mean, it, it would be weird if it didn't weigh on us to some level um, within what we're doing in ministry and, and being people, people, I, I, I'm curious in your experience as you are working with them, and, and and if you can even expound a little bit more, can you can you think of a time where where you knew that, where you knew, um, you know, and and maybe a little bit even you mentioned it a little bit, but you knew that there was a decision to be made, uh, but again, you just really you were bogged down by that. And you know, what, what else happens in that moment for that XP or that leader that's experiencing that? Well, you, you kind of get caught in a, in a tension of two worlds yeah. where one is almost pastoral and ministry and compassion and coach. And, and then sometimes it goes to our, if you're into Enneagram at all, you're, you know, your deadly sin, you know, sometimes sure. it might go to people pleasing or it might go to, uh, achiever or success, it just might go to a place that's not a good place. Mm-hmm. Part of your part of your wine, so it's got good and bad places it can go and kind of mess with you. And um, and then sometimes, <laughs> more even more practical, it's not that somebody can't or won't or make the call, but you're so cotton picking busy that sure. you know you and you have a finite amount of energy. Mm-hmm. And you know that the moment you step into it, it's going to be costly. Yeah. And you go, I'll, I'll get to it. I'll, I'll get to it. And none of those are good answers. None of those, mm-hmm. the things that happen internally, none of them are great answers. The, and, and what I've learned over the years is the longer you wait, the longer you put it off, the longer you stall, if you do. Because there are sure. other guys who ready to aim fire. You know, there's the other, sure. uh, you know, that body bags everywhere. But on this side of the spectrum, the longer you wait, the longer you go, the worse it gets. It it never gets yeah. better. It never gets better. Yeah. That that decisiveness is is necessary. Um, you know, it's it's care with the ability to be decisive. Correct. It feels like it's very important. Good. Yeah. Good. Well, let's take it back then, Dan. Go yeah. back to the original question. So talk to us about a time where, you know, again, the right call was clear to you and you knew what you were supposed to do, but you were you were pretty sure that the team wouldn't agree with it. You know, yeah. give us a little bit of that. Yeah, well, there's there's a, maybe a couple we can do. Uh, actually, unfortunately, maybe more than a couple, but that's over 30, 37 years. So that's the good news yeah. is actually the number is is, is small. And if you do the right things, which I hope we get to talk about maybe somewhere, yeah. h- how to stay in front of it all and, and you know not have to make these tough calls. But um, there, there's there's a couple that that um, well one one in particular. You know there was a guy who was loved by everybody on the team. I mean he was just loved, loved, loved by everybody on the team, and and he had a wonderful attitude, but didn't possess the skill level. Mm. And what made it more complicated, and I think makes it more tension-filled when this happens in a local church setting, 
is when they have a, a, a wonderful attitude, they don't possess the skills, but it's largely because the level of the church passed their leadership. Interesting. So yeah. they had a good attitude, they have the skill level, but now the whole thing is moved by, and then you get into that whole, well, what's more important, faithful or fruit? And you get into all of that kind of stuff. Well, this guy yeah. was faithful, and he, we love him, and why are you doing this, and what's going on, and he wants to stay, and, and he's a good shepherd, and he's... And, and yet, he, when someone's just over their head, internally, they're starting to implode as well. Mm. And so, make, making the call was really more about, and I know some, some people roll their eyes at this in the moment, but it's really more for their good. Sure. Because, because uh, when he left, I mean, we, we're in, I've consulted for his church and we're good friends. It wasn't easy then, but we're good buddies now. Mm-hmm. Um, when when he left and found a spot in a different church where he got to blossom being himself and being in the role he should be yeah. in the size church he should be kind of a thing, he blossomed and it was great and it was wonderful, but it took months and months for our team to ever discover that. Yeah. So the heat, you, you were just left in that place to absorb absorb the hit because they look at you and go, what what is wrong with you? Um, right. Yeah. Are you heartless, Dan? I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, what, that's that's the first reaction, you? right? Right. Right. Uh, and then, and then sometimes you know, families come into play. Yes. And, and and this is not easy stuff. There's children. That's their church, and their mm-hmm. spouse, and that's their church, and 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 so staying steady and, and looking at the longer picture, the bigger picture, um, what's good, you know. Uh, really making a decision that's best for the person and best for the church, mm-hmm. not best for me. That's good. And that's what's great for the XPs is when you make decisions that are best for you, that's never a good idea. Mm. But if you if you learn to make you learn to ask yourself this tough tension, what's best for the person and best for the church? And because when you really get in trouble is when you make a decision that's best for you right. in the moment. Right. Yeah, because of the pressure and all that kind of stuff. No, that's 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 really good. What then is that follow up with this? You know, you've you've had to make the decision. It was the right decision. It was a difficult one. Um, again, there's there's this ripple effect that not only for the person that maybe in this case had to be had to be moved on, but for the team that stays that's looking at you saying, "How could you do that?" What mm-hmm. is what is the follow up after that so that you were able to to bring everybody back on the same page? Well, I, I think I think really you're you're the whole thing is kind of based on on I think three sets of uh, three things that are in my mind all the time. One is that you hold true to your hold true to your principles, mm-hmm. and and you stay focused on the vision and keep relationships honest. Um, and if if you get to run on those three platforms when you're sitting down and talking with the staff, is uh, that keeps that keeps the, the playing field level yeah. and the conversation going. So when just because when decisions are when decisions are made more on pressure and politics mm-hmm. and who has the loudest voice and the biggest personality, right. the, those those decisions are really bad decisions. But if they're you know we're we're making this decision this decision because it's right, mm-hmm. and we're staying focused on the vision. It's right for the church. It's best for the person because they're going to get to go be. If you really care about the person, sure. and people know you care about people, and and you and they know you're helping them get into the right place, mm-hmm. um, you it tends it tends to go really well. 
So sometimes you have to sit down and, and without, the, here's the hard part. You really can't tell a lot of details sometimes because that's just not a reasonable thing to right. do. But if you let, if you let your team know that they were loved, cared for, and well taken care of, yeah. loved, cared for, and well taken care of, that seems to kind of mend over things. But here, here's honestly, a lot of that just doesn't work because emotion is emotion. Sure. But here, but here's where, here's where it does work, David. Um, in time, they'll see that if it's me or a team, it's usually not just one person who makes that decision, but they'll see that the relationship is still good. Yes. They'll see that this individual comes back to the church to have lunch with me to get coaching Mm. or this individual calls or uh, invites me to go consult their church. So, so when they see that happen, even though sometimes that could be a real big gap, Mm -hmm. they'll think, Ah, yeah. Okay. And when you do that long enough, trust goes really high. I love that. Well, and yeah, it, there's, it seems like it's very much about um, that consistency on the front end as well as the back end. If you are consistent right. on the front end and that shows people that you're not making rash decisions, you, you know, that there right. was some, some, some toil and some pain over this very difficult decision. And then on the back mm-hmm. end that, that you're true to that. That the way that you did treat that person or that the way that you are leading the team on the follow-up, um, it garners the trust that you're looking for. But yeah, that yeah. that takes time. And that so that brand new XP or that brand new ministry leader that's in the thick of it right now has to be thinking to themselves, how do I build that equity so that I can have that uh, that consistency shown, you know, so that my team continues to trust and continues to move forward yeah. with me. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think I think the way you build that equity, not I think I know, and and this isn't fast either. There's nothing fast about this. Is what I call the two X principle. You know, pouring twice as much in as expecting back mm. out. You know, you, you want more for them than from them, kind of a yes. thing. And, and and so for for me and us at, at Twelve Stone, um, everything's based on a develop. The foundation is a developmental environment. Yes. Um, and, and so when they're constantly pouring in, constantly training, they know you're for them. They know you're developing. They know you want them to be better. They know that, that and, and the development isn't really just about a, a, being a leader. It's about being a leader in your home, a, a better dad, a better mom, mm-hmm. a better parent. But, you know, uh, when they know these, this team really cares about us yeah. and it's developmentally based, um, that, that trust rises higher. And then when you connect it to one other thing, and that is always, always, always stay out in front. Good. It's when you get behind the curve in one of these difficult decisions, if you're surprising somebody, if you're not having courageous conversations, Mm -hmm. when you get behind the curve, we could talk about that for a long time, but when you get behind the curve, uh, it's very difficult to get back on front of you. No, I think that's huge. Well, and and I've had a chance to to work with you guys out at Twelve Stone a few times and get to know a lot of the staff. And you personally and that that executive team have that reputation of uh, of continually developing, of continually pouring in. And so I know a church your size, as long as you've been there, all the decisions that you've had to make, uh, you have that equity. And I think that's that's one of the major reasons to want to talk to you through this this part of the topic. I mean, I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. I, um, you know, you, you hinted at something earlier that I, I, I want to poke at a little bit. Um, it, it sounded like you were kind of saying it's possible to avoid 
making the decisions that other people, you know, don't understand. Can you unpack that a little bit more, kind of what you were hitting at? Well, again, it's, I'll, I'll go back to the stay out, get out in front yeah. thing. Where, where, where if you are in touch with the team and you're talking with the team and uh, you're connected with them um, and they're processing maybe some inner tension, I, I can tell you one story because he's given me permission in other leadership talks. He's yeah, you can tell yeah, my great. story. I don't need I, I don't need to give his sure. name, but it's but it's a, it illustrates it well. Getting out in front. So I was uh, I was a young worship leader. And and uh, great guy, love love him. And he comes back, and we talk. And and uh, but he was going through a master's study, and we were changing structures, and you know, changing the vibe here a little bit. And he was kind of wanting to do that, the, you know, the ancient modern kind of thing, and kind of going yeah. back to a little bit of liturgy. And and we're still got big lights, and here we go. And and he's kind of getting some inner tension about it. And so he's going like. I don't, I don't know if this is working. I don't know if this is for me. And, and of course, when that starts to happen, um, relationships get a little bit shaky sometimes. And then sometimes the environment can mistake relationship for competence. Mm. They can, they can they mistake resistance for he's not with us. But really, it's just he's just asking questions. It's not a lot of resistance. Yeah. You know, and it gets all kind of muddy yeah. if you're not talking. Mm. But we got in front and began a series of conversations. And and I and I you know I just said well, so so what do you want? He said well I, you know I don't know and and I said well here let me just give you a couple of hints of what what will come what will happen if we don't get in front stay in front talk this through and, and keep so I said I said we love you and you love us right he says oh yeah man I love you guys and I said well we love you and I said I said I call him Bob right Bob here's what here's what will happen if we don't stay where we are he said I said if we don't stay in front of this, the relationships will start to deteriorate. Mm. If we don't stay in front, relationships will begin to deteriorate. And he goes, he just stopped. He just he goes, oh my gosh, they already are wow. a little bit. Wow. They already are. I said, then let's arrest it right here and get in front. I said, tell me. Now, now I'm, I'm time-lapsing several months of conversations yeah. into you and me for two minutes. I said, well, what do, what do you think is... What do you what do you think? He said, "Well, I think maybe I, I think maybe I should make a change sometime down the road." Mm. I don't I don't know. I said, "So and now that again that collapsed quite a bit because we talked. You know that took a while to say. Well, what do you think? Well, maybe maybe I am going to a different place and maybe I am you know and but and I want to do it right but I don't know but at this tension you know all that stuff and I and I then he stopped and he goes, "Did I just fire myself?" And I laughed <laughs> and. It, and I said, no, 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 no. And he said, well, well, how long would I have? I said, well, how long do you want? Mm. And and so we just talked like that. And uh, again, we're skipping a whole lot of stuff yeah. here. But but the, the 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 big idea, the listeners are smart. You get it, is to have the conversations, get out in front, stay out in front, so that you don't get to a place where the relationship just begins to deteriorate. Yeah. And then, and then sometimes that gets superimposed on competence when the competence really isn't bad, but, but you know, in leadership, if they don't like you, if they don't like you and you don't like them, you know, it doesn't work. And so that's just the kind of the raw truth of the local church. Um, So I just, I can't, I can't emphasize enough the answer to your question on how can you possibly maybe avoid these 
is get out in front, number one, in a, in a developmentally uh, based environment where you're pouring in and training all the time, you can avoid a lot. Yeah. Of it. Well, and even unpacking what you just, you know, a little, a few of your answers, and, and, I, and I've been just writing down thoughts as even as you've been talking, and it's like, um, you get out in front of it, but you get you got out in front of it with compassion. I mean, there's something about uh, inviting that person into the conversation and having mm-hmm. that time. Because I think what happens in so many leadership environments is that we don't take the time to have the compassion. We're moving so yeah. quickly. We're going so fast. We have That's so many it. things we're trying That's to accomplish. That, um, that And compassion forces us to slow down. To invite somebody in, even to get in front of it, forces us as leaders to slow down for a moment and really start having those conversations. I love how you talked about building equity um, with that person. There's there's equity with them and building equity with your team on the back end of it, I think is is huge. And you know what happens in this process too, David, is when, when, when you don't get out in front and you're not in a developmental environment, because a lot of us pastors and church leader types are... Uh, highly relational, we care about people, got a lot of pasture in us, a lot of shepherd in us, mm-hmm. we skip we, we skip um, decisive, we skip um, strategic, we, 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 I'll just say decisive, there's another word that's a better word that I'll, I'll get to in a, in a moment. Courageous, that's yeah, a better word. We skip because we're, we're, we're used to being in this comfortable mode with people, the uh, shepherd mode. We skip courageous and move to mean. Wow, and I've watched leaders do that a lot because they, especially in the in the pastors that I consult with, they to get up ahead of steam enough to go make the tough call when they're behind the the ball when they're when they're now the tensions the relationships are off things are deteriorated it's not going well they waited too long and now they, they now they really don't want to do it so they have to go past courage and they just get mm. mean and they walk in one day and just blow the person right out of yes. the water i have seen that way too many times and that doesn't have to well, and when it does happen i mean how much more damage control do you have to do on the back end of that oh yeah, my gosh it's crazy oh my gosh and you can't fix yeah. it and those are the, those are the scenarios where sometimes the individual leaves ministry and people leave your church and 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 just because now does sometimes that happen anyway? Yeah, sometimes that happens anyway. But man, I'm telling you, David, it's, it doesn't yeah, have to. That's so good. That's so good, Dan. I, I really appreciate you taking the time just to jump on with us today. And I think that uh, those leaders that are listening right now that know that there's a difficult decision ahead of them. They realize that it might not be the most popular decision are going to be able to listen to this um, and take away. Again, it's that uh, don't make the decision in frustration. Don't let it get there. Have compassion. Invite them into the conversation. Build continual equity. I mean, the, the things that, that you're talking about, uh, I, I think, are the things that we want all of our leaders to, to dive into. Yeah. Absolutely. And and the couple of things as, as we close or wrap here that you just never mm, want to yeah. do, you know, just it, when you get in the middle of one of these, it, one is, is never, ever violate mm. trust. Stay core to your principles, doing the right thing. And so what's connected with never violating the trust is absorbing the pressure. Those two things are, mm. are critical. There was, there was one story I'm thinking about a long time ago where 
we had to make one of those difficult decisions. And this one was one of those, because sometimes the, the right thing to do is to talk to your staff, just be yeah. up front and tell them they're adults, right. they can handle it. But sometimes it's mm-hmm. not. And this was one where it's not because we knew if we di- it was personal. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about competence or attitude. It was personal in their family. And we knew if we let that out, that their chances of making it through it would have been diminished mm. greatly. So we just absorbed the pressure and took the hits Good for you. Yeah. And to protect mm. them. And so, but, but so in those cases, in any case, um, N- never vile absorb and so what do I mean by take the hits absorb yeah. the pressure sometimes you just absorb yeah. the pressure and and what happens when you do absorb the pressure is eventually one day people know the rest of the story because yeah. all stories come out on their Absolutely. own somehow and when they do that trust factor just keeps clicking up and up and people go ah right. they protected them it wasn't that they you know what I mean and so it's fighting That's, the urge, right? It's fighting the urge yeah. to defend yourself is what you're saying. I mean, when, when, it's, when it's coming yes. at you and what you want to say is, if you really knew what was happening, you would understand and let me give you the details because that takes the pressure off you. You're saying, take the hit. Take the hit and that take will give the, you longer, longer term equity with your team. And because because your trust goes yeah. up, you're, yeah, that's exactly oh, right. So David. good, that's so good, Dan. I really appreciate you and uh, and the leadership that I've seen and that I've taken away both uh, from your blog and the consulting that I've been in that I've seen you do, which we'll put some links to, um, and also being someone who's been brought into your staff. Uh, to have some some voice in, in different areas. And man, I've, I've watched it and I've seen it. And that's why I think, again, you're the right person to have this conversation with. So thank you so much for taking the time, Dan. You're more than welcome. It's been my pleasure, David. So now we've come to that part in our show where we take a moment to share a story from the front lines, from the trenches of ministry. For those of you that are in church work and nonprofit work, you know that what you do, that the mission that you're about is very serious. And yet, because we do serious work, it's important to remember that we should not take ourselves too seriously. Because of this, I believe that stories are one of the unique ways in which the playing ground for all of us is completely leveled. You know, when we share stories with one another, it's an opportunity for us to enter into each other's experience and for us to realize that even though the work that we do can be hard, can feel daunting, that we're not alone. And if you've been in ministry for any amount of time at all, you realize that things oftentimes don't go as planned. And that's where some of our best stories come from, like this next one that you'll hear from our co-host Vance Martin. And I promise you, as you listen, this is one of those stories that you actually have to hear to believe. Check it out. Now it is time for my favorite segment of this entire podcast. I mean, I know we've been talking about the important stuff, but this this is where the real ministry happens. This segment is called The Names Have Been Changed to Protect the Innocent because we've all done dumb stuff in ministry. And that's what we're talking about right now. Some of these stories that we're going to share are stories that we've done, dumb things in ministry, and uh, some are some dumb things that other people have done. But I know that my two friends here, Keith and David, you guys have never done anything dumb in ministry. Never. I mean, compared to you. Yes. <laughs> it's a, the scale. That's right. I way, That's why we're going to let you go first. Yeah. <clears throat> Boys, I got a story for you today. Uh, you guys knew that I grew up uh, an evangelist kid. 
my mom and dad were children's evangelists. And during the summer, we would go around and, and speak at district camps. So <clears throat> we'd go from state to state. We were in Louisiana. This was the beginning of the summer. So was, this was uh, a district-wide denominational camp. There was probably about 600 kids at this camp, probably around, I don't know, 20 to 30 churches represented within that. And every district or state has something they call the district youth director, okay? And he's the one that runs the camp. Well, this camp was the very first kids camp of the year, and it was this DYD's very first camp ever. He was brand new to the job. So this was in 1997. I was a teenager, and our theme was, it was an Olympic year, and so or the year after, maybe it was 96. And so every night I would run in with this uh, Olympic torch with a medal that represented what we were talking about for the night. And so big crowd of kids, I wanted to make a huge impression. And so what this thing was, was uh, it was old lamp parts and it was gold, this old metal lamp that we turned around and made look like a torch and put a sterno can in it, lit the sterno can. So it was just a little flame and then I would add lighter fluid to it. Well, I got a little heavy handed with the lighter fluid. And so when I turned this thing on, when I lit it, literally this, this flame was coming off probably about two feet off of this torch. And I was like, Ooh, dang, that's big. That is a big flame. And so the Olympic music starts pumping, the video's going and I'm running down the aisle and there's 600 kids and it's crazy. You know, it's the energy is just crazy. I come around and usually I would do like a figure eight in the auditorium and I come around, I start down. <laughs> Wait, the, you the, usually would do a figure eight. Usually right. at least a figure eight. You know, just okay. go go down middle. I come around the right side, well, come you, back. Were you entering like a WWE like pretty much? Or pretty much. I had on the I had on a tracksuit yes. and the whole thing. Dude, oh, track nineties tracksuit. 90s tracksuit. So I come in and I turn right at the very front. So I, and as soon as I do, I'm running and all I hear behind me is, ah, oh my God, screaming. Kids are going nuts. And I turn around and there is a girl on the front row with a four foot flame coming off her, like just over her head and I look over now this is Louisiana and there was this big huge woman counselor who's running like water boy like and just tackles this girl and they're rolling around on the floor and trying to put the flames out and so my dad was up on the stage he was the one that I you know was gonna he was gonna we're gonna talk about you know what we're talking about and he's like he does this like you know like pointing to me to get out. And so I had the cap to the sterno can. I was like, I got to turn this thing off. Like I got to put this thing out. So I put the sterno, the cap on the sterno can and it goes, and the, the cap just exploded off the top of the sterno can. And so I just ran out the side door. And, uh, so we, we did what, uh, anybody else would do. We just, you know, finished the service, kept going. They took her to the hospital and uh, later, we found out that, thank goodness, uh, she did not get burned. So it was like the sterno was burning on her. And uh, But we found out that she had borrowed another girl's dress, and it had singed her, her dress. And so we went out that night, went to Walmart, and bought her and her friend 
sparing no expense, a brand new dress <laughs> with a card that says, don't sue me. So um, the next day, the DYD comes into my dad. We're preparing for the night service. And he's like, uh, and my dad is so cheesy. And the DYD is like, hey, um, you guys aren't going to be able to use the the torch tonight. <laughs> and, my, my, and my dad goes, dang it, does that mean the chainsaw cross carving is probably out too? And, you know, this is this guy's first, first everything, his first service, first week of camp. And you let a kid it's on a fire. Disaster. And I yeah. lit a kid on fire. And to this day, we are known in Louisiana as the flaming evangelist. Wow. That so means there you a go. That's how I launched my ministry career is uh, I set a girl on fire. That is phenomenal. Uh, yep. What was the what was the fallout long term? Honestly, was nothing, there, nothing. No, the kid was fine. Like that God really protected her. Like, dude, the flame was seriously. It was it, it's it, it's a miracle. But scared me half to death. Kids camp. Yeah. So the rest of the, the rest of the week at camp and for the rest of the summer, I just had this like aluminum foil like foil star thing that it was so cheesy i should have known the week before at tennessee camp i set myself on fire coming up the stairs i tripped and it set my shoulder on fire my dad was like beating it out we're like you know what else what, what worse could happen thank you for joining us this week on the slingshot group podcast we invite you to continue the conversation with us on social media you can find Slingshot Group on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, be sure to visit us at slingshotgroup.org to find out more about how we build remarkable teams through staffing and coaching. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the Slingshot Group podcast so you'll never miss a show. Until next time.